It's uh, good to see you all. Um, I, as Adam's mentioned a few times, uh, to hype up the pressure. It's been a while since I've been up here. Uh, it's been a while since I've done this, so I'm uh, nervous as you'd expect. But I'm particularly nervous this morning um, because we're joined by a Christian celebrity. Now, I don't know whether you know this, but Andy Simmons, who's sat near the front here, <laughs> one of our own, um, is a, uh, a, I'm going to get this title totally wrong, an associate youth pastor. Pastoral assistant to young adults, but it doesn't matter. But anyway, so Andy is joining us. Andy is joining us from Soul Survivor, so he will be available for autographs afterwards. Um, but I'm particularly nervous because I feel like I now need to uh, impress Andy with the standard of teaching that he's usually, uh, usually facing. Um, I also had a crisis of faith last night. Those of you that uh, know about football will know exactly what I'm talking about. Those of you that don't care about football, ignore the next 10 seconds. But uh, uh, kind of full-time uh, last night in the Champions League final, I decided that there was no God. And I had that whole crisis of confidence. And I thought, for, for the game to go like it did, that, that, that God can't be real, but I can assure you that I woke up this morning uh, with a fresh sense of perspective, uh, and I can, I can say with confidence that I do in fact believe in God, so it's all good. Um, I've been tasked with uh, preaching this week and the next week on the Lord's Prayer. So uh, for you guys, whether you have been in church your entire lives, whether you're new to it, pretty, I feel confident saying that pretty much everyone in the room will know the Lord's Prayer. You'll either be able to recite it because that's what you did in primary school, or it would have been uh, put up in many church services that you've been to before. The Lord's Prayer is the prayer about prayer. It's, it's the, the headline act, as it were. And... Um, for those of you that have been joining us over the last few weeks, we have been doing a series on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which Ad and Jem have spoken really powerfully on, um, and they've kind of passed the Lord's Prayer on to me, and I was a bit disappointed, I'm not going to lie, because there's some great stuff in the Sermon on the Mount, and it kind of came to the Lord's Prayer, and I thought, yeah, that's good, thanks Ad, because, and, and this is unfair, but with the Lord's Prayer, you've heard it a hundred times, you've heard it a thousand times, and it's not that it's not good, it's just not great anymore. At least that, that was my feelings towards it when I first got given it by Adam. I thought, why are you giving me two weeks on this? But as I've been digging into it, I've realized there is so much to unpack from it, but kind of, it's so easy to lose focus. It's so easy to glaze over. It's so easy to go, oh, the Lord's Prayer, our Father. And we just go through it because of those years of reciting it in that monotone kind of uh, assembly voice. Sorry, good morning, everybody. Uh, good morning. And you just go through that thing. You go through the Lord's Prayer in the same tone of voice. But it's so easy to glaze over. It's so easy to um, lose focus and become distracted when we try and talk into it. Um, I'm going to put the Lord's Prayer up there because I'm going to do the whole assembly thing. So, excuse me, if you can put it up. We're going to do this, everyone. So we're all going to say it together, okay? This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We're now going to go through that prayer and emphasize each and every word and recite it a number of times before we uh, leave this morning. So I was thinking about getting distracted, about glazing over, and it reminded me of a time, it was probably about three months ago now, um, so this season I've been managing Hope FC, and uh, every two or three months there is a big league meeting, so all the managers from all the local churches in Bristol that have a football team, we all get together, a little bit of prayer, we talk about the league, we talk about any issues that have arisen. Um, 
I would rather turn an iron on and leave it on my chest than go to these meetings. It is, it is that painful. It is, it is the worst thing. And, and originally, when I started going to these meetings, it was myself, it was Ad, and it was Jacob. So at least we could have a laugh. We could have fun. And we'd try and crack each other up and see if we'd get each other to laugh in the moments that you definitely weren't supposed to laugh. And it was fine. But over the last year, it's just become me. So I drive up to Bristol and I sit there for three hours as people discuss should we put the cones out before the matches or after the matches? And I'm just sat there thinking of inventive ways that I could hurt myself. But anyway, so we're going through this meeting, and I'm, I'm trying to find anything I can to put it off. So uh, the meeting starts at about 8 o'clock. Uh, I've decided, you know what, I'm going to really treat myself. I'm going to relax myself before I go. So I've had a nice bath. Now, when I bath, I don't just run a hot bath. I go to town. I don't know if any of you uh, are with me on this, but I'm talking candles. I'm talking incense. I'm t <laughs> this, is in this is all 100% true. I'm talking George Michael, just, just quietly playing as I relax. And this bath in particular, I'd been given a bath bomb for Christmas. And I thought, oh, this is, this is the perfect opportunity for it. I was really excited by it. And it was, this, it was this amazing, and it smelled so good. And so I've put the bath bomb in, and I've got in the, the bath probably about six. I'm in there for about an hour and three quarters, to the point where you kind of do that thing where you unplug it with your toe, let half the water uh, sink, and then you refill it with hot again. Is anyone, is anyone with me on these kind of marathon baths? Thank you, Kirst. One person. Thank you. I appreciate that. But so that's the way I bath, okay? So that's great, and I'm like, oh, I, sh I sh really should get out now. I really should get out, but I'm like, oh, I'm not eager to go to this meeting. Anyway, I cut it as fine as I possibly can. Get out the bath, get dressed. Just before I head out, um, there's a big uh, mirror as I'm leaving the front door, and I catch something in the corner of my eye, and as I turn around, I can see light sparkling over my face <laughs> and over my neck, where, unbeknownst to me, this uh, bath bomb was full of glitter. So I have bathed myself, basically, in glitter. And so my sparkling personality is more evident than normal as I'm looking at this mirror thinking, I don't have time for this because I really need to get to this meeting. So I literally grab a, a damp towel and I wipe my face as much as possible. I'm like, oh, actually, I think I've gotten away with that. Anyway, needless to say, every conversation I have for the first half an hour of when the league, uh, league meeting is happening, everyone's coming up to me going, hey, Lewis, good to see you. And they do that thing. I don't know if you've ever had this, where you get really self-conscious because they're not looking at you in the eyes anymore. They're like looking at your neck or, or the corner of your hand. You're like trying to meet their gaze. Like, what is going on? Why has everyone got lazy eyes all of a sudden? And you realize they're not. I'm like, all right, someone's trying to talk behind me. I am covered in this glitter still, and there is nothing I can do to get it away. And people are glazing over as they're talking to me. They're getting distracted because they're like, why is this guy seemingly like not making a deal out of it, covered himself in glitter for a league manager's football meeting? But anyway, that, that's what happens. And, and I find that with the Lord's Prayer. I get distracted. I glaze over. I kind of think, I've heard this a thousand times before. There's nothing new for me here. But luckily... Jesus knows what we're like. He knows that humans um, generally can be a bit selfish. When it comes to prayer, most of us, whether we'd like to admit it or not, can still treat it as many times you've heard it from the front, as much as you've heard it in Sunday school, of prayer just isn't about asking for things. That's generally our default. Now, you might be a much better prayer than me. You might always start with thanksgiving and just praise God and then finish. And that's, that's amazing. Come and teach us all. But for me, I still get into that shopping list prayer. I still get into that, hey, God, can you do this for me? Hey, God, can you give me this? Hey, God, I'm going through a difficult time. Can you help me? And it's not that those things are bad, but I can find myself going to those kind of, um, I guess, selfish routes where I'm asking for God to, to come and do something for me. But Jesus knows this. 
And so we get halfway through the Lord's Prayer and it says, give us today our daily bread. And I'm like, yes, amen, I can get alongside that. Come and give me something, God. I need that daily bread. And daily bread for us can mean so many different things. It can mean the thing that you need in that moment, the thing that is on the horizon that you know you need help with, that daily bread. But it, it connects with something in us. We kind of go, give us. Oh, I know, I know that language. This traditional, seemingly archaic prayer all of a sudden connects with us because we're like, oh, give us, yeah, okay. I can't say that I've often asked for God to have his name hallowed, but I, I've certainly asked God to give me something. And we suddenly zone in and we can, we can pick up this Lord's Prayer and go, okay, right, that's where I jump on board. The rest of it, the hallowed be his name, it's not language I use anymore. I'm not used to that. But we get to the givers part and we're like, ah, okay, that's the comfort. That's the comfort in the traditional prayer. Now, I've put a line in here that is mainly just for myself and Mike Kay, but some of you might get alongside this as well, which is to understand the genius of what Jesus is talking about in the Lord's Prayer, we need to go back to when it was originally spoken, back to Judaism and back to Jewish faith, when with Jesus using this language, it opens up to a whole new depth, a whole new meaning. If you are zoning out, please zone back in. If you're glazing over and getting distracted by the metaphorical glitter, this is the time to tune back in, because to... Um, to the Jews, to the people, to the audience that Jesus is speaking to, this explodes their understanding of prayer. Uh, a guy called John Crossan once said that the Lord's Prayer comes from the heart of Judaism to the lips of Christianity, and I love that. I love that something that was spoken about thousands of years ago still absolutely speaks to our lives today. Now that term daily bread was loaded with context. It was loaded with symbolism that when we hear it, again, we're not reliant on daily bread anymore. That, that, that phrase is still old-fashioned in our culture. But when it comes to Jesus' time, when it comes to the audience he's speaking to, it blows their minds. And it's because Jesus is talking about manna. Now, some of you will know that as others of you won't, so I'll give you a very brief um, explanation of what manna is. So when the uh, Israelites had left Egypt... Um, so what's the Disney film with the... Prince of Egypt, thank you very much. I've forgotten. So Prince of Egypt's happened, and then as they've left... They're now stuck in the desert. They're stuck in the wilderness. And they're wandering around for years and years and years. And they are asking good questions. Their prayers are crying out to God. God, how are we going to eat? God, how are we going to survive? God, how do we move from day to day to day in this wilderness, in this waiting place where there is nothing around? We need you to help. And so God sends um, manna, which is a bread. It's a, it's a bread from heaven. And so this manna uh, was flaky, it tasted like milk and honey, and it would cover the ground. And uh, the Israelites, each morning, would have to go out and get their daily bread. Every single morning, they would wake up, they would get out of their traveling tents, and the ground would be covered with this manna, with this life-giving bread, literally the thing they, would, thing they were dependent on. And they would have to go and collect just enough for that day. And then the next morning, they'd wake up, and they'd do exactly the same thing again and again. I find it interesting sometimes when it comes to prayer... Uh, when it comes to what the Israelites would have been asking about, that we so often have something very specific in mind. That when we ask God to do something for us or to help us with a situation, and sometimes it's not even selfish stuff. We're praying for those that we know to be healed. We're praying for our family to come to know God. We're not being selfish on our desires, but we are asking God to do something for us. And so often we have such a specific solution in mind. We, we play God. We go, oh, I'm going to ask for this, and then God will make that thing happen, and that thing happen, and then it'll actually come to pass. And we put ourselves uh, in his shoes, and we have this specific idea in mind. So often that if God does answer, or when God answers, we either miss it, or we say, oh, hold on, <laughs> I don't think you got the memo, God, but it was actually supposed to happen this way. 
And we, whether we want to admit it or not, we do that with God. We tell him the way that we think it should happen. We ask him to do things in the way that we want. And the Israelites were no different. They were saying, where are we going to eat? God, we need food. We need food. But amazingly, God doesn't give them livestock. They don't stumble upon a whole herd of animals. They don't go to uh, and find all these oases, oasises, oasi. Thanks. They don't discover all the farmlands. They don't discover anything that I imagine they thought they would stumble upon. What happens is this flaky bread falls from heaven. Uh, I'm going to read the Exodus bit if you want to pop it up, Scusi. So uh, this is the excerpt from Exodus when they're talking about manna. And it says, In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out into this desert, desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. I cracked up when I found out that manna, the, the Hebrew word manna, is what? It's what is it? They, they literally name the thing, what? Like, <laughs> bread has come down from heaven. They've come out in the morning. They've gone, manna? And then that's stuck. That's the name. They haven't called it bread. They haven't called it milk and honey. They haven't called it flakes. Like, think of Kellogg's and the marketing opportunity for that. But no, they've decided just to call it what? Oh, can you go out in the morning and collect the what? Like, that, that is literally the translation. And I thought, I thought it was wrong. So I, I looked it up in numerous different places. All of them say exactly the same thing. It's effectively, it's the, huh? That, that is what they decided to name this bread. And for ages, when I was trying to uh, write the preach, I was, I was stuck thinking, how do I find something new or fresh in the Lord's Prayer when it's been spoken about a hundred times, and this is it. In the middle of the, of the Lord's Prayer, uh, which has loads of symbolism anyway for it being in the middle in the way that the Jewish uh, people would have spoken and written, but right in the middle is this talking about the Lord's Prayer, talking about uh, bread from heaven, this daily bread that God gives us. And the Hebrews, the Israelites, would have been like, what? Like, where's my farmland? Where's my livestock? How am I going to sustain this? What? We can't harvest this forever and ever and ever. We've got to go each and every day, and we've got to come and collect it. And now, it's easy to get disconnected from the Bible. But all I would say is, put yourself in their shoes. Your existence, your children's lives, your family's lives, your existence as a nation is dependent upon going to sleep and hoping that when you wake up in the morning, that bread is there. Imagine that anxiety every morning having to pull open your tent thinking, is this the day that the daily bread stops coming? They were there in the wilderness for years and years and years. Every morning, is it going to be there? Is the thing I need, is the thing that I'm asking God for going to actually come through? Luckily for them, or depending on God's faithfulness, whichever way you want to see it, the bread kept on coming. That daily bread was there morning after morning after morning. And I don't know about you, but I can really get alongside that. This is the thing that takes the Lord's Prayer from something abstract and traditional to something absolutely real and current in my life. Prayer changes it. Uh, sorry. 
prayer changes from something abstract and distant to something instantly relatable. The, thing that, the time that we prayed for our family to know God and that didn't happen, we, asked to pray, uh, we prayed for healing and it got worse. We asked for a relationship and instead we got heartbreak. We asked for peace and instead that thing happened. You can copy and paste your own uh, unanswered prayers into that. But this is where we kind of get alongside the Israelites and we're like, what? Like, I asked you to keep us alive, God. I asked for food. I asked for life. I asked for the thing. I'm asking for healing. I'm asking for all these great things. And you're giving me this? Like, what? Our hands are full, but they're full of something that we never expected. And they're answered in an entirely different way. It's really tricky to stand up the front uh, sometimes. Because all you want to do is encourage people and... um, give the light, fluffy messages, but I felt really heavy on my heart to say uh, in, in this preach this morning that if you find yourself saying that I believed in God, I trusted in God, and he didn't come through, then you only ever trusted God to meet your agenda. And that's tough for us to swallow sometimes because often the things that we're asking for are selfless. We're asking for our friends to come to know God. We're asking for life. We're asking for um, healing. We're asking for so many good things. And when actually the answer comes and it's different to what we expected, we then suddenly tar God with this brush of, well, actually, you've not answered my prayer. Or, where are you, God? Why aren't you speaking? When actually he's given us that manner. He's given us that, what? This, this isn't happening the way I thought it would happen. This isn't happening the way I thought it should happen. And the thing is, we rarely get what we expect or we plan. And it can cause us to look at this God-given gift and say, what? Like, is this really what you're giving to me, God? I've been asking for food and water and life, and you've given me this. And it creates all this confusion. And um, I don't know about you guys, but um, when I'm confused, there's one place I go more than another, and that's Google. Google is your greatest friend. And Despite the fact that they probably spy on you and know absolutely everything you're doing, I will still continue to, to use Google because I have no other option. So when it comes to me asking, I need to know. Okay, so that's something. If you know me well, you know this. If there is a conversation happening and someone brings up a subject that I don't know about, I will remain silent for the next three minutes as I Wikipedia and Google everything about that subject so I can then step in and go, <laughs> interesting fact. And then just go on and tell people about exactly what thing I've just learned that second. Because I need to know the answers. I need to know uh, what's going on. And so uh, I decided to do some uh, interesting research into Google uh, and to find out what happens if you type in what into Google, um, which then sent me down the rabbit hole of many, many different questions you can ask Google, and what it auto-completes. So all of you will know this. If you start writing a sentence into Google search, it will then try and auto-complete it to be helpful. There are some weird people in the world. The internet is a strange place. So I had to censor a few of these, uh, which haven't made it to the cut, um, but were still quite funny, so I encourage you to go and do it in your own personal time. But the ones that I've selected are still enjoyable. So this is what happens if you ask questions to Google. So excuse me, we the first one. So I like to teach the world to sing. That's fine. Uh, I like to think. I like to throw my hands up in the air sometimes. I like to think of Jesus as a mischievous badger. That is there because hundreds of thousands of people have searched it. What is going on? There must be some conspiracy. I like to think of Jesus as a mischievous badger. Why is there, and this one blew my mind, a light in the fridge and not the freezer? Can anyone answer that? Because that is absolutely golden. That is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah, cheers, mate. Yeah, thanks, Mood Hoover. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, if we go on to the next one, excuse. Cats like Felix, cats like Hitler. 
I don't really know what that means. I don't know how that came about. But again, you need to, you need to realize these are genuine results. They come from people searching it on, on the internet. People are actually actively looking for this. Clats uh, like bleach, which is sadistic in a weird way, so we'll move on there. I ate a big red candle. It's the number one thing for I8A. That is the number one result in Google if you type in I8A. I ate all the pies. Who is writing that about themselves? <laughs> no, I, d I did, in fact, eat all the pies. Yahoo Answers. I was, in fact, the man that ate all the pies. Which, with this light, is actually quite accurate. Uh, can we go on to the next one? Irish people are impervious to psychoanalysis. Isn't that wonderful? What a great answer. Just all these things you discover. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know why Irish people became something that you Google, but it is. And they're impervious to psychoanalysis, so I'd love to go into it more, but I can't. Uh, dinosaurs are Jesus ponies. I don't know where this comes from. This doesn't make sense, but there are thousands of people trying to find out. Dinosaurs are made up by the CIA. I love that. And I actually went and searched that because that's a, quite an interesting thread. So if you love a good conspiracy theory, there's some really good stuff on that. Uh, we'll get to the next one. Uh, do Macs get viruses? Do Mormons celebrate Christmas? Do men have periods? Now, <laughs> it's an interesting one to bring up, but... After, after asking a few friends, I can in fact confirm that uh, most women will agree that men in fact do very much have periods as well, and that we can become very touchy and very um, emotional at certain times. Um, do me a solid was a good one that I thought was in that list. Just, just someone is searching, do me a solid, great. Uh, why does my arm shake when I eat dirt? People are weird. What is going on with humanity? Sometimes I just think God made a terrible, terrible mistake. Why does my arm hurt when I sneeze? Why does my arm tingle? It's all about weird things. Why does my arm, where is it? Where does my arm fall asleep when I sleep? What is going on? All right, next one, excuse me. Okay, so the final two. These are my favorite out of all of them. What, what would Audrey do? I don't know why. That's not my favorite. At the bottom of that list, what would a chair look like if your knees bent the other way? Just take a second to picture that. Just, just enjoy it. Just soak up that mental image. What will a chair look like if your knees bent the other way? Absolutely incredible, fascinating stuff. Uh, and then finally, um, why isn't 11 pronounced 1T1? Oh, isn't it good? For as much weirdness as you find on the internet, you find some absolute gems as well. Why isn't 11 pronounced 1T1? So, so enjoyable. All of that. To say, thanks, excuse you probably change that because it will definitely distract people. Um, all of that to say that when we're asking these questions, we don't have the answers. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know what people are going to search on the internet. We don't see the whole plan. We don't know what God is going to be doing about it all. So looking into that phrase, uh, daily bread, I thought it was just about the manner just about the what, just about what God was doing. But I discovered that that phrase, give us today our daily bread, um, has another context in it. It has another meaning tied into it. Um, and instead of bread, when it's used as that phrase, the word becomes a Greek word uh, called artemon, which basically just means that it's something prepared, something that's ready, something that's in store, something that's eager to be released, and knowing. It's this sense of, it's suddenly we're not talking about our bread anymore. We're not even talking about the simple um, one-dimensional answer that we're asking God for. This opens it up to a whole new thing. When we're asking God to give us our daily bread, we're asking and almost giving God permission to say, look, you know what's in store. You've got this thing waiting for me. You're eager to release something into my life. And all of a sudden, that what changes from this, what have you given me, God? What is this? Because I'm praying for something different. 
why has this happened this way? And it changed it to, oh, okay, you've got something in store, God. The Lord's Prayer becomes this thing of saying, okay, God, give it to me. I'm, I'm ready and I'm eager for what you've got in store. Give us today our daily bread. It can be translated from God saying, look, I've got something ready for you. Like, do, do you want it? It might not look like you're expecting. It might not taste like you're expecting. It might be better than anything you'd hoped, but I've got it ready. And it's a knowing. It's this sense that um, there is something eager and an energy about, about that daily bread. And um, it got me thinking, in the Lord's Prayer, a couple of verses before we get to this, it says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then we skip forward about three or four verses, and all of a sudden... Jesus is saying, ask God about it. God knows what you need, so ask him about it. And all of a sudden, it changes prayer. It changes it from this one-dimensional, God, will you help me with this? God, I need strength to do this. God, will you be there for that? And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But to take prayer into another level, and most of us will have varying experiences of prayer. For some of us, it will be something that we do daily and that we're in love with. For others of us, it will be something that we really struggle with. Or even, not even from person to person, but within ourselves. We can think of times when God was so close and so crystal clear with his answers. And other times, we were in that desert. We were in that wilderness going, are you even here, God? But your father knows what you need before you ask him. Uh, Tim Keller, who's an amazing kind of Christian scholar and author... Um, puts it this way, God would give you what you asked for if only you knew everything he knew. God would give you what you asked for if only you knew everything he knew. It's that reminder again that we are not God as much as we like to play and pretend that we are. And God is eager, he's excited, he has an energy, he is waiting for us to ask for it, to give us our daily bread. And God knows what that is far better than we ever will. I don't know where everyone is at this morning. I don't know if you would say, you know what, I'm like the Israelites. I'm in that desert, in that wilderness, feeling distant from God, saying, God, I need you to come through because my life's depending on it. I I need an answer to this. How are we going to eat? How am I going to survive? How am I going to get through from day to day to day? That is a prayer that I guarantee we've all prayed at some point. God, how am I going to get through today? How am I going to get through tomorrow? I need this thing and I need you to show up, God. So where are you? And God gives us something and we hold it in our hands and we're like, what? Like, this, this is your answer. We can waste an unbelievable amount of time and energy wishing things weren't a certain way or that we didn't have to wait so long or that God would move how we wanted to. But the answer's right in front of us. And it's back in that Exodus section. And Moses explaining to the people, the people ask him, what is it? Talking about manna, talking about the answers to their prayer. What is it? And Moses turns around to him and says, it's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. I think some of us need to hear that this morning. We're still asking God for an answer he's already given ten times over. But because it doesn't look the way that we want, because it isn't the answer that we want, we keep on going back to him again and again and again. It's the, Lord, it's the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. And it might look underwhelming. Manna lying on the floor as their daily bread. It might look very unappealing. 
But when they tasted it, when the Israelites who had been without luxury for years and years and years tasted manna, it tasted of milk and honey. The sweetest things that were available back then, the most nourishing. This manna that looked so insignificant and unappealing and underwhelming tasted glorious. And I think this morning and when it comes to prayer, we need to start recalibrating ourselves to go, okay, might not be the answer I want, might not be the answer I expected, but God, I trust you. And it, it's up to us to taste and see that the Lord is good, to try that manner to go, okay, God, you've given me this. It might not be what I wanted or what I expected, but I'm going to step into it and I'm going to trust you, God. And we can see more life grow out of uh, situations than we ever believed. We can see milk and honey and answers to prayer nourish us in ways that we didn't believe could actually happen anymore. We might be in that dry, desolate wasteland, and yet God is filling us with nourishment and giving us more than we'd ever hoped or prayed for. As As these things so often do, it comes down to the answer to that question. Do you trust God? Do you trust that the daily bread he has in store, that he's eager, that he knows you need, is ready, willing, and waiting for you? Do you trust God to go, okay, you know what you're doing. I'm not you. And you would give me what I've asked for if only I knew what you knew. So God, I'm going to lay down my arrogance, my pride, my need to control things. I'm going to say, God, I need my daily bread. And you know what that is. You know better than me, better than I ever will. If we can find a way to trust God amongst the confusion, the anxiety of daily coming back to God and asking him for help, asking him to be there, asking him to give you the answers that you need, that bread will taste like nothing we've ever tasted before. That manna was milk and honey in the middle of a desert. I'm going to pray and then hand over to Sarah. God, thank you so much uh, that you speak to us through words that are written thousands of years ago, that you are relevant, you are present, you are here this morning, and you want us to come to you. I pray that we would learn to just trust you more and more, um, even when we look at the answers we've been given and say, what? Lord, we love you, and we want to be changed this morning.